On this episode of Resi Week, Savant shows off wellness, Z-Wave's got a fall conference, and Disney bans Netflix ads. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 192. It's touchy-feely. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Middle Atlantic. What great systems are built on. And by Chief, the global leader in commercial AV mounting solutions. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and information for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv. And today I'm pleased to be joined by my good friend, Jeremy Glowacki. He's the executive editor at a residential tech today. How are you, sir? Doing well, Matt. Thanks for having me and congrats on uh, the new addition to your family. It's been a little time since I've talked to you, so I didn't get a chance to talk, tell you that. Oh, well, thank you so much. Yeah, I, I uh, skipped last week because my newest son, Noah, showed up a couple of weeks early, which has made for a fun time for me and somebody who knows all about the small kids as he may have a child in the background just for fun. Uh, my good friend Hamish Neal, he is the commercial director at Hero Labs over in the UK. How are you, sir? Very well, Matt. Thank you very much for having me um, all the way from the UK, holding up the show probably, but uh, excited to be here. Thank you so much for being here. All right, gentlemen. Congratulations as well. Thank you. All right, gentlemen, let's kick this off with a story that comes to us from CE Pro and the one and only Julie Jacobson, Savant's amazing integrated biophilia, wellness, lighting, energy solutions, and more at CD Expo 2019. If you read through this article, which I suggest you do, this fairly uh, in-depth article, Julie goes through a lot of the stuff that Savant was showing at Expo this year. And she really focuses on a, a couple of key things that I, I kind of want to dig into with you gentlemen. Uh, not surprising, if you have been following anything Julie's been doing recently, she is all about the wellness biophilia side of this conversation. Uh, Savant's booth, if you, if you saw it at Expo, was quite busy most of the week when we saw it. Uh, they're doing a whole lot of things. And I, I initially kind of want to focus on the, the lighting side, and then I've got another question. Uh, to come up. So Jeremy, I, I'm going to start with you on this. Savant's showing and has steadily been increasing their lighting control aspect. They they bought Light Touch a couple of years ago. They've continued to do a lot of stuff down that road. They're doing a lot of work with DMX, with Siri, with HomeKit, with USAI lighting fixtures, with Bluetooth bulbs, Wi-Fi keypads. They've got this kind of all-encompassing yet somewhat seemingly disconnected uh, kind of platform of lighting control all under this blueprint programming environment. When you, when you see this, when you see the, the push that they seem to be making into wellness, how much of this is selling lighting control and, and getting better, better control of the light fixtures in your home, whether they're Savant branded, whether they're USAI, whether whoever, whoever makes them? How much of it is just expanding that portfolio versus hopping on this this wellness network bandwagon thing that it, it is all the rage, but nobody really knows what it is yet? 
Right. Well, <clears throat> as a editor, I really like a trend. I mean, it's something fun to talk about and write about. And wellness is definitely the latest flavor in our industry. And I, I like the idea behind it just because who wouldn't want to live in a healthier home or uh, have, have lighting that mimicked the, the realistic or you know, natural light of the outdoors. Um, so far, it's, it's kind of a hard <clears throat> story to tell from a practical standpoint. Uh, there are products out there that are uh, in, in development and actual availability from companies such as Lutron that you know, have notable uh, options there on the lighting side. Um, I believe that this is probably a part of that. It, it didn't seem to be a core, core area you know, a short time ago for Savant, but that isn't to say that they aren't catching up to what it needs to be. I mean, I like the message that, you know, within the control environment that they clearly have a, have a strength in. They're one of the established companies in the control space. Um, you know, they, they are able to integrate some of these features in there. You know, I, I like the, the case, you know, the, the example of a nightlight pathway in a home, for instance, you know, being able to establish that <clears throat> as uh, a, a, a designed piece that stuck to the natural light of that time of the evening. So it's not going to just be a harsh blue light type of thing going through your pathway when you're off to the bathroom at night and you, you know, it basically messes up your, uh, your, your biorhythms or whatever it is, you know, these, these new terms that we all have to know. <laughs> so, you know, you're, you're able to get back to sleep when you get back to bed. And uh, so I, something like that to me is, is kind of an effective way of explaining what these tools, these technologies can, can do. Um, whether, you know, you can make a healthy home through what they're doing uh, beyond the lighting that remains to be seen. And I think that we're, we're mostly talking, um, you know, circadian lighting at this point. And mm -hmm. I do think that there's something to it. It's just in the very early stages. It's easy to be cynical about it because it is kind of touchy-feely, but I do see that there's a benefit because LED in its native form can be a really harsh um, type of lighting and an unappealing, unattractive kind of design element of a, of a home, especially on the high end where you're paying top dollar for, for the home to, to be amazing. So I think that they need to address it um, and, you know, the actual practicality of how they're doing it might be better, you know, answered by a dealer who's working directly with it. it isn't that, though, a, a little bit of what this all stems from? There was no conversation about this back when everyone had incandescents and halogens and et cetera. It was only when the LEDs came in and then specifically when the LEDs became incredibly cheap and low quality. That's when this all became a, oh, my nightlight is all of a sudden not the little itty bitty bulb, but it's an LED that is blue and nasty and overly bright uh, as I walk down the hall. It, it, it's all very... Intriguing yet confusing to me. Hamish, what I wanted to kind of come to you on is when you see this wellness side, is this something that you're only hearing about from the US side of things or is this something that's uh, UK as well? Um, certainly US only at this point. Um, I think some of the drivers there is that both Lutron with their amazing catcher range, they don't bring it into the UK yet. 
um, and, and Savant don't do their lighting products in the UK either. So there's, there's no push from those, those big players. Um, but it would be nice to see it coming along as far as the, the wellness conversation. I, I, I personally really like the, the concept of wellness, that you're improving the, the, the air quality within the property, all of these various things, water quality, not just, uh, not just circadian lighting. Um, and we've got a few steps to go there. Um, I, I think that it's really exciting for the industry to have a, a new thing to get on top of. But I, I think what you're saying is that it just needs to be done in a, in a controlled fashion where the, the narrative is very clear as to exactly what it's doing and, um, and what benefits providing um, so that everybody can, can really benefit from this, this next wave of tech. The other question I had for you was in line more with the, the circuit breaker part of this story. This has been something that we're seeing more and more smart breakers. Uh, they were launched by, uh, I want to say Eaton, um, the, the panel company about a year and a half ago, two years ago, they, they finally hit the market. Um, Savant's sister company, Race Point Energy, has a new smart breaker companion module that allows you just to dump it into a circuit box and then you can control that load. I know typically here in, in North America, when we wire homes, yes, lighting will traditionally be on one breaker, but it's not usually a breaker per room. And we're finding that electricians are putting more and more rooms and their, their lighting loads on a single breaker because of LEDs. So they can do more because of the wattage. This is where I get lost with smart breakers. I get it from load shedding and energy management. I get it from, you know, safety. I do not understand this concept of incorporating dimming into a breaker. Am I missing something? Is that how you guys do it in the UK? What's going on here? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a first for me as well. I was, I was surprised when I saw that in the video. I mean, I, I guess it makes sense. You're sort of fusing two products into one, correct? Mm -hmm. um, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's unusual. Watching the video within the, the clip, it sort of talks about how that you're, you're, you're managing the power. There's a, a, a lever that you can pull down and say, hey, look, we're onto reserve power and how that integrates. doesn't really talk about the advantages of having a, a dimming device in the breaker. Um, I, I, all I can think of is that you're, you're reducing the number of components in the system. Yeah, it's a very interesting, if, if anybody's working with Savant, reach out. I'd love to know uh, the, the design considerations here. It's uh, something that is not making a lot of sense to me. Although I do fully understand the, the Sonin tie-in and the load shed and uh, the management from that standpoint, that makes a lot of sense. All right, gentlemen, let's move into our next story of the day. Uh, this comes to us from Residential Systems. The Z-Wave Alliance hosted their annual fall summit in Austin, uh, Texas, uh, just a couple of days ago. Uh, this is a three-day event with a series of discussions, panels, workshops, et cetera all focused around IoT and the smart home. Hamish, I'm going to come back to you on this one. You've, you've worked with quite a few manufacturers the last little bit. Um, when you see these types of events, are, are these something that are typically, I, I realize that they're based around manufacturers, but is there any reason for MDU builders, for uh, large, large integrators, it, Anything from that side, any reason why uh, anyone other than a manufacturer would attend this type of summit? 
perhaps an integrator that wants to be especially well informed about the the, the technology that's going into their products. Like they're they're really interested at a, at a granular level about what's going on. I mean, some of the keynote speeches. Um, notably, I saw that um, Control Four that was there. Charlie Kindle was there. And they've not been huge proponents of Z-Wave. So seeing they're there, listening to the conversation, you you might get in some insight as to where Control Four is going. If that's a big brand for you, it could be interesting. Um, but why a, a, an MDU developer or, or anybody outside of the, the, the niche industry would want to be there? I'm, I, I have no idea. I'm sure there are better, better ways to spend a, uh, an afternoon. <laughs> Very good. Jeremy, the thing that caught my mind with this was looking at, uh, obviously, as Hamish alluded to, uh, Charlie Kindle was there talking about the five levels of smart home. There was also uh, some speakers from Deloitte, from Boston Consultants, or consulting from Parks Associate, uh, a journalist from uh, Dwell and Wirecutter. The thing that caught my my eye with this was that they're going to do uh, a couple sessions on the state of the industry from a consumer perspective. This is something that within our channel, we like to think that we know exactly where the consumer is at because we have that direct one-on-one relationship. But kind of to steal one of Hamish's words, we're a we're a niche industry, especially for someone like uh, Z-Wave Alliance. How much value, if any, is there in our our industry? You know, the the Cedia channel paying attention to what these reps from Deloitte, Boston Consulting, Parks Associates, etc. feel the 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 IoT the the smart home industry is at. First of all, I thought when you said you were going to steal one of uh, Hamish's words, I thought it was going to be Z-Wave because I thought that was pretty awesome. It is the proper way to pronounce it. I just, oh, know. yeah, yeah. It's new to me. I like it a lot. I mean, it's a Z. It's not a Z. <laughs> so, so sorry, I was so busy with that joke. I didn't pay attention to your question. <laughs> do I need to re-ask the question? <laughs> um, no, it's basically what do we need to know about the consumer um, you know, perspective on, on, well, uh, I, I think that that perspective is very interesting because, you know, again, when we look at the consumer perspective from our perspective, from a, a, a CDA industry, a home technology professional, um, home integrator per perspective, it's going to be vastly different than what Z wave looks at, yeah. what people from Deloitte um, look at. How does, how do we leverage as as an industry? How do we leverage that perspective, which I would argue is the general po- population's perspective? How do we leverage that to help better understand how we within the the channel can help our customers? Well, um, to quote to quote an early '80s song, I think people are people, you know. So we've got to have. Um, the uh, perspective of everyone, even if they're not an upmarket, you know, luxury cons- customer that is typical of the Cedia channel. Um, I, I do think that there are individuals who um, might be on the cusp of investing in technology and um, integrated technology in their home that aren't necessarily the, the upper luxury market. And to, to really understand what their needs are um, is essential, as essential as knowing about what the luxury market wants. That's what you're asking. I believe yeah. that there's, there's, a, there's a need to be broader. You know, we've, we've had to really cater to this luxury market so long now because that's where the money is being spent. And 
that's how what we can kind of handle as an industry. And it's hard to be a broad technology provider. But I do think that there's a there's a need to start to look at middle market, you know, at all times to be diverse, to be able to op- offer um, some, you know, quick solutions for, you know, like one one day projects if you can, you know, afford it as a company. Um, mm-hmm. So to to know where those needs are and what the interests are, and to know how to answer your clients' questions, even if they're not in that market but in the, the luxury, to be able to say this is not a good fit for you because of this, or hey, you know what, we're going to go ahead and put this in because I can make it work with the overall system. You know, it, it's, I think you need to be the, the, the one that can provide the, any answer to any question relative to the smart home, you know, whether it's a low-end DIY solution that you can turn them away from or explain why it's maybe not such a robust offering. Um, you know, it's hard to know everything, but it's, it's good to try to, to have the answers. I will say I have got more questions from, you know, our, our higher end clientele about obscure DIY ish smart home products than I do from even some of our typical DIY customers. Uh, they always well, seem to find something. Well, those are the things that are getting exposure sometimes and maybe they're available at retail. They can see them and they can mm-hmm. handle them. They're not going to know um, a control for product or, you know, Crestron, you know, Savant product typically. I think actually back to what our previous story, Savant's fairly popular because they have developed some sort of name recognition, at least in the Northeast. I don't know yeah. what, what it is to that, but maybe it's working with Apple. I don't know. They've, they've been able to kind of come up out of nowhere. Whereas unless you're a wealthy homeowner and your friend has Crestron, you're not going to have heard of Crestron just generally speaking. Control four also though very very good at getting a little bit broader exposure in the world and people having heard of that brand. But typically our our, our high end products are going to be kind of behind the scenes and they're yeah. not going to have that um, media you know kind of attention. Speaking of media and attention, uh, this is our next story comes for to us from the New York Times. Disney bars Netflix TV ads in the battle for streaming supremacy. If you have been under a rock, uh, Disney Plus is going to be arriving in, I believe, North America originally on November 12th at the cost of $7 a month. And the Walt Disney Company essentially banned Netflix from advertising on any of their entertainment television and networks, primarily ABC and Freeform, uh, as it does not want to compete with Netflix or have anything fun going there. Uh, essentially, Disney says that they don't need Netflix. And Netflix, by extension, pretty much probably feels that they don't necessarily need Disney, minus a couple of MCU, uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, if, if you don't know that one. Um, some, some issues with that as far as content. Uh, hey, Mr. I'm going to come back to you on this one. We've we see this a lot and this is just the start of uh, what, what I think is going to be a very entertaining next couple of months from a, from a content standpoint. Um, the big number that stuck out to me on this was that Netflix spends or spent last year $1.8 billion in advertising alone. Now, only a hundred million of that was ads on TV networks, but that's still, that's insane. Um, when you, 
when you see this, when you see that, you know, 13% of that $100 million went to Disney owned networks, which I don't think Netflix will have any issue finding another place to spend uh, that $13 million or so. But when you see this, when you see the, the fights becoming public, if you will, between some of these giants as far as streaming and whatnot, are we back to that situation where the consumer is the one that loses out, that, that they're now in a position, the, the ad revenue aside, no one really cares if they see an ad or not. But what it really means is that we're, we're doubling down on fighting over Disney produced a movie. You will no longer be able to see that on Netflix, which means you want to go find whatever movie that is. And now I've got to pull out of this app and go to this app to find this. How do like the industry can't control this in any way, shape or form, but how do we best deal with our customers in knowing that this is now fragmented beyond belief? This isn't just, Oh, it's an ABC station show. So now I've got to watch uh, NBC or Sky versus BBC. Like it, it, it's not as simple as just changing the channel. How do we, how do we manage this with our clientele? I mean, it's extremely frustrating. Um, I, I was thinking about it this morning when I was when I was pre- preparing for this and, and 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 saw the note. I was thinking, thinking when it comes to music, I, I I have a title subscription and I can listen to any band I want to on my title subscription. And if it's not on title, I I pretty much just don't listen to it. It's it's, it's pretty easy. Yeah. But when it comes to um to to, to movies or, or video concert or content, I'm not going to go and watch a, a concert produced by that band. So there's no monetization outside of actually watching that con- content right there and then um, as there is in the music industry. And I, I think it means that we will see more and more of this. It's, it's not going to get any easier. And the only option for integrators is to, to have the conversation with their customer, provide a, a platform um, which does have all of the apps, whether it's Apple TV or, or, or Roku, whatever, whatever has it available, and then put in a great control system that makes it as easy as possible. I know that Josh is doing some really cool things with the sort of deep integration. Um, I know that people are wanting to do that with Apple if they possibly could as well. There are, there are things that can be done, um, but it's a matter of, of a being able to do it, get, getting on board with it. And, and unfortunately having that, that conversation with your client and saying, look, we're, we're, we're sorry. Um, we, there's nothing we can do about this, but let's make it as good as possible. I, I don't think there's any other play. I, I don't think you could have teed up my next question any better. Jeremy, this past week, there's been some rumors that, again, this is just the start of an onslaught of bickering between these media giants. There was a, uh, some reports that the Apple App Store stopped carrying Amazon Prime. And there has been speculation that, you know, the Apple TV may or may not have the Disney Plus app. We've, we've, we've seen that play out in the past where content is limited on devices. I know for, for my company, we sell Apple TVs almost exclusively. That is our streaming player that we use as a role. I know other integration companies that you know, specify Roku and, and a plethora of other ones. What happens when it becomes that big of a battle and all of a sudden 
you can't get something on Apple TV or you can't get something on Roku or you can't get something on, you know, a, a Google device, an Amazon Fire. Like we, we see this, especially in the US, we see this with satellite and, and cable companies. Um, one of our uh, Detroit affiliates is putting ads out like crazy right now because somebody's losing FS1 and, and Fox Sports. What? <laughs> What does the industry do? What does an uh, what does an integrator do uh, to try and again help their their clients, knowing that this is a battle so far above anything we have control over? Yeah, I mean, obviously, to have it be blamed on the integrator would be ridiculous. But I think to to have you know they're going to do it though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. I th I think it's it's just to have the knowledge of what's going on and to to really follow the news and to be aware that things are dropping off of a cable system or a satellite provider um and to be able to send out newsletter announcements to the client base if you have that to to give them the heads up to be the information provider. You know, a lot of our <laughs> Our, fellow, our friends in the industry are not the best at reading the news, you know? I mean, there's a lot kind of hiding underneath the, you know, the main headlines of the day. And we, you know, we all have a hard time keeping up with everything. And there, you hear these stories. I, I think the Disney thing sounds pretty petty, you know? I mean, people are going to know what's going on on Netflix. Netflix is, is, the, is truly the leader. And Disney owns everything else, it seems like. So really, they, they need to to be petty about it. Um, and you know, people are going to, I'm sure subscribe to the Disney plus app because they love the Disney content so much. Um, I just think it's pretty sad that that's, that's the way that they're, you know, kind of throwing around their weight, but, uh, there is going to just be here. I was, it was so great when Apple TV, you know, suddenly had Amazon content, you know, and you could say there's one solution that works. And now if we're going to, go backwards it's just going to be a hassle again and i mean it's not the worst thing in the world there are a lot worse things to be upset about but from our industry's perspective when you're trying to be uh, an, a solutions provider and get the best cleanest way of providing content that is just a, a headache um yeah. and i think the best thing is just to be clued in have the information and provide it to clients so they are not blindsided when they're trying to watch their their favorite sports team, you know, on a given Saturday and they, they can't get that channel because of some kind of a rights, you know, disagreement or whatever, yeah. you know, Very that's good. all you can really do. Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's wrap it up there. Thank you both so much for joining us. Uh, Jeremy, if people want to connect with you, learn more about residential tech today, where can they do that? I just encourage everyone to go to restechtoday.com and subscribe to the magazine. It's, we have really great uh, introductory packages. It's uh, it's not free like a trade publication, but it's uh, it's very inexpensive for an annual um, subscription. And trying to just get more eyeballs on it, I think we're we're doing some fun stuff there, and uh, we'd love to have you know some su subscribers, new subscribers. Very good. Hamish, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if people don't know, tell us a little bit about Hero Labs, um, as well as you guys won the, um, and I'm probably going to get this wrong, but the kind of Dragon's Den thing at CD Expo. Um, yeah, the, uh, the, won text, that. the the Tarter Award. It was it was it was pretty cool because for for us it was um it was the first Tarter Award that that CD Expo have done. 
Um, so to get ahead of that was great. And um, to have our product or in fact our company reviewed by such a, a amazing people, um, Josh AI, Alex, we had a guy in there as well, as well as um, Tabitha from Cedia, people who, who really know the industry very well. I'm um, coming through, taking a look at all the different companies within Innovation Alley and deciding that ours was, um, ours was the coolest is, is, is really great. It, um, it puts a smile on your face, um, especially when we're bringing a new category of product into the channel. I mean, um, smart plumbing is not something that too many integrators have done so far, and it, it's, it's not quite off there with wellness, but it's a, it's a new conversation for, for integrators, um, and we're excited to be having that conversation with them. Um, and it was even better to get back from, from that show and at the CDA Awards in, in London, um, at the, the V&A, the Victorian Albert Museum, which is a, a great spot if you haven't checked it out. Um, we were thrilled to uh, receive an, an accolade of highly recommended for the product Sonic itself, um, which, is, which is amazing for a, for a plumbing, smart plumbing device to do that well in the CDA Awards. I, I, I couldn't be any happier. So uh, yeah, it's all good. Thank you. That's fantastic. So if people want to connect with you, learn more about Hero Labs, uh, where can they do that? Um, jump over to hero-labs.com. We've got it all there. Beautiful. Thank you again for joining us, gentlemen. Uh, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott uh, and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take out a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you support them as well. Uh, on a quick personal note, uh, the CDA Board of Directors elections are going on right now as I see Hamish smiling in the background. Uh, I am nominated uh, again this year and would like you to uh, consider voting for me. At the very least, get out and vote uh, for the, the people that you feel are going to help lead this association in the best way possible. Uh, but again, when you're there, if you get a chance to vote for Matt, it's probably the best vote. He's, he's Canadian. He's kind of cool. Uh, and, 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 and I'll jump in for a second here. Having, having spent time on the board with you, Matt, I voted for Matt. And, oh, uh, very kind. I think, uh, I, I think it's, a, it's a good vote. Oh, thank you so much. Notice Jeremy said literally nothing. He's like, nope. <laughs> do, not, <laughs> do not speak. <laughs> Keep muted. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. You have my vote as well. Oh, thanks, Jeremy. Uh, but again, at, at the very least, whether you vote for me, whether you don't vote for me, please get out there and uh, vote. It's no fun to make a lot of noise if you're not going to at least participate in these things. Uh, that's again, that's all the time we have for this episode. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. Thank you.